Well, good afternoon, brothers and sisters. Uh, lovely to see you here. Uh, before we begin, can I uh, give, uh, thank our bishop uh, for giving me the opportunity uh, to share God's word with us today? Uh, and can I congratulate uh, all those people who are going to be commissioned or ordained? Uh, can you please turn with me to our gospel reading today? Uh, Holy Cross Day, it's uh, uh, John 3, verses 13 to 17, that's just been read for us. You'll find it on page 10 of the Order of Service, uh, but if you use your device or your Bible, you'll see a little bit of context around it, right? So uh, either way, if you have it open in front of you, uh, that'll be really helpful. Let me lead us in prayer and ask God to help us uh, as we look at his word together. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you speak to us uh, by your spirit through your word. And we thank you you've been speaking to us as your word's been read. Uh, and we ask now uh, that you help us uh, as we look at this passage together. Um, may your spirit enable me to preach it rightly and faithfully and in his power. May your spirit work in each one of our hearts, uh, pointing us to Jesus and pouring his love into our hearts. And we pray especially for those who are being uh, commissioned or ordained. Uh, may this be an encouragement to them. And so we commit this time to you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, the passage we have before us is a great reminder of the gospel that we proclaim and in which we take our stand. Uh, and so it's a very appropriate passage for us to consider on this wonderful occasion. In our passage, Jesus is speaking to a Jewish leader named Nicodemus, and it's being reported by the Apostle John. And because they didn't use quotation marks in those days, we're not quite sure where Jesus' speech finishes and where John's comment starts, but it doesn't matter because they're both part of God's word, the Bible. Jesus has already told Nicodemus that no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born again. For back in Ezekiel 36, God had promised that one day he will wash his people in, on the inside with clean water and put his spirit into their hearts so they might obey him. And Jesus told Nicodemus that no one can see the kingdom unless they are born of water and the spirit. And that's not something they can do for themselves. It is the work of God's spirit. And Nicodemus, he couldn't understand. Even though it was from the Old Testament and he was a teacher of Israel. And Jesus said, if I tell you earthly things and you don't believe, how will you believe if I tell you heavenly things? But it doesn't stop him. Because Jesus will go on to tell him heavenly things. Things that he couldn't have known unless someone from the inside showed him. Things about God and his plan that he couldn't have known unless God made it known. And that is what we see in our passage today. The first heavenly thing he shares explains why only Jesus can reveal these heavenly things. Look at verse 13 with me. Jesus says, No one has ascended into heaven except he who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. Now, when Jesus says he's the only one who's been to heaven, what he's saying is he's the only man in history who has experienced the inner life of God. Because we know from the scriptures that within the one God, there's three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, each fully God, each enjoying a relationship of eternal love with the other. God the Son is the eternal Son of the Father, been with the Father from all eternity, the perfect expression of the Father. And he truly knows the Father. Only God truly knows God on the inside. Only God can truly reveal God on the inside. 
In the words of John himself, back in chapter 1, verse 18, no one has ever seen God. The only God who is at the Father's side, he has made him known. And this eternal son, the one who came from heaven, is, verse 13 again, the son of man. Uh, many years before this, the prophet Daniel wrote in Daniel chapter 7, of one like a son of man, a human one, who will ascend to the ancient of days on the clouds of heaven. And to him, he writes, will be given dominion and glory and a kingdom that all peoples, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away and his kingdom one that shall not be destroyed. And Jesus is that son of man. He is the genuine human one, the one that humans are meant to be. Meant to be like this, but we fail. Right Back in Genesis, human beings were meant to rule the world under God, but we fail because of sin. But now the true son of man, the perfect human, he has no sin and he will be obedient unto death, even death on the cross. And God the Father will show that he is the true king by raising him from the dead and exalting him as the ruler of the whole world, just as Daniel said. And so Jesus on the one hand is God the son who came from heaven. And on the other hand, the genuine human who fulfills the human destiny. Truly God and truly man. And the only one who can truly reveal God to man. That, my friends, is a heavenly thing. But Jesus goes on to reveal a second heavenly thing that is just as mind-blowing as the first. And is there in verse 14 and 15. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up that everyone who believes in him may have eternal life. 500 years before this, God had rescued his people Israel from slavery in Egypt. He had led them through the desert towards the land that he promised their forefathers. But on the way, they rebel against him again and again. And in one such incident, which we saw in our Old Testament reading today, God punished them by sending them poisonous snakes. Many were bitten and died. And when they admitted their sin and they cried out to God for mercy, God heard their cry. And God told Moses, their leader, to, to make a bronze snake and set it on a pole. And God promised that if anyone was bitten, looked at that bronze snake, they would live. And Jesus said, as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up. And if we read on in John's Gospel, we discover what Jesus means. In chapter 12, verse 32, Jesus will say, And I, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all people to myself. And then John immediately explains, He said this to show by what kind of death he was going to die. Jesus himself would be lifted up like that bronze snake in the wilderness. He would be nailed to a cross. And like the people who looked at the serpent in the desert and were saved from the punishment that they deserved, we can look at the cross of the Lord Jesus and be saved from the punishment that we deserve. The Son of Man must be lifted up, verse 15 that everyone who believes in him may have eternal life. This is a heavenly thing. It comes from the heart of God himself. 
But why would God do this? Why must the Son of Man be lifted up? Well, the Son reveals the very heart of the Father in verse 16. For God so loved the world. God so loved the world. The one God who has existed in perfect and complete inner Trinitarian love for all eternity loved the world. God loves people, even people in rebellion against him. God loves people, and that includes every single person in this room and everyone who is watching this on social media. God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Now, the word perish there in verse 16 means to, means to die under the eternal judgment of God. And that is, that is the danger we all face, isn't it? All of us deserve to perish because actually none of us have treated God properly. And God is so infinitely great. He is so infinitely good. He is so infinitely holy that to, to fail to treat him rightly is the worst thing we could ever do and we could never finish paying for it. But because God is so infinitely loving, he does not want us to face the eternal condemnation that our sins deserve. It's because God loves us that he wants us to be forgiven and have eternal life with him. It's because he loves us that he wants us to enjoy the kind of love that the Father and the Son have enjoyed for all eternity. Because God loves us and he doesn't want us to perish that he gave his one and only Son to perish for us on the cross. Jesus died under the judgment of God so that you and I don't have to. He suffered for our sins on our behalf. He took our place under the curse, God's punishment for our sins, his anger for our sins. He died so that God could, could take away our guilt, forgive our sins, give us a clean slate so that God can forgive us without saying that all the wrong things that we have done are actually okay. Jesus could have come to judge us. He could have come to find us guilty of sin and sentence us to eternal condemnation. In fact, one day he will come again to judge the world. He warns us about that. But the purpose of his first coming 2,000 years ago is not that. Verse 17, For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved. Through him. Jesus came to rescue us so that we don't have to face condemnation on the last day when he comes again as judge. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. I wonder if there's anyone here today or is watching this online who has still not yet put their faith in Jesus. Jesus didn't come to condemn you. He came to save you from condemnation. Please don't say, oh, I'm so good, I don't need this. Or I'm so bad, I can't receive this. Or I'm of the wrong race or background, this doesn't apply to me. 
God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him may not perish but have eternal life. And if you believe, then that whoever includes you. God calls you to believe in his son. Not just as a prophet or a good religious teacher or a moral man or a guru or whatever. But as God made man and as the risen son of man, the king who rules over all who believe. So turn away from sin. Come to Jesus as your God and king. Put your trust in him today to save you from condemnation. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. And for those of us who do believe, let us be confident and thankful and faithful. Let us be confident that we actually know God on the inside because of the one who came from heaven and revealed him. And he has revealed him as the one who loved us and gave his son for us. And so whatever happens here, we can be certain that our eternal future is secure. Even if we suffer in this life that pales into insignificance beside the glory of what is to come. We have eternal life according to the promise of God. Let us be confident. Let us be thankful Because that eternal life is only ours because Jesus suffered and died for us. When we deserve God's condemnation, he gave us his son to be lifted up for us instead. We can never repay that debt of love. So let us love him and let us love others because he first loved us. And let us be faithful. Let us never turn our backs on Jesus, his sacrifice, the eternal life that he gives us. Let us not only believe in him now, but keep on believing to the end, no matter what the cost. Let us never trade anything for the privilege of knowing God and having eternal life in him. For there is nothing that this world has to offer that is better than that. And finally, to those who are getting ordained or commissioned today, Remember that your ministry is not based on speculation. Your ministry is not based on opinion. Your ministry is not based on wishful thinking. Your ministry is based on the revelation of God in Jesus Christ who came from God on the inside and is delivered to us in his word, by his spirit, through the apostles he has appointed. There can be no better foundation for ministry than that. So let the love of God, shown in the giving of his son, be at the very center of your ministry. Let your service spring out of response to that love. Let the grace of God, shown in his son, drive your ministry. Let the love of Christ compel you and do not be driven by anything else. You know, there will be often times that you need to make sacrifices for the sake of the gospel. In fact, you're already doing so. Don't keep score of what you've sacrificed. 
it all pales into insignificance beside the cross. Remember the one who was lifted up and died for you, and whatever you do, you do for him. So preach the gospel to the perishing. Tell the world that God loves them, that Jesus died to rescue them from the condemnation they would otherwise face. Tell them about the risen Son of Man who deserved to be their King. Call them to repentance and faith in Jesus. Be urgent, be diligent, don't play play, don't procrastinate. This is not just a matter of life and death, it is a matter of eternal life and eternal death. It's a matter of first importance. There is nothing more significant than this. The gospel must go out to the perishing of West Malaysia and it is our collective responsibility to get that message out. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Preach the gospel to the perishing. And preach the gospel to the saved. Let us never forget what we have been saved from. Let us never forget what we've been saved for. Let us never forget the sacrificial love that Christ showed to save us. Please keep it on our agenda. And whatever you teach us to do, relate it back to the gospel. Why should we love? Because God loved us first. Why should we serve? Because Jesus served us first. Why should we live lives of holiness? Because Jesus died to make us holy. You know, it's so easy for us to forget. So easy just to end up working and serving and doing good things because that's what we do. And we forget the gospel motivation. Keep preaching the gospel to us, the saved. Know nothing among us except Christ and him crucified. Proclaim not yourselves, but Christ Jesus as Lord. And as you keep pointing us to the cross, the Spirit will fill our hearts with love for the Father and the Son and teach us to love others as well. For God so loved the world that he gave his one only Son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Preach the gospel to the saved. And finally, preach the gospel to yourself. Never forget who you are. You are a sinner saved by grace. A recipient of God's love and mercy. A beneficiary of Christ's death for you. And best of all, in the Son, you are a child of God. That, my friends, my colleagues, my partners in the gospel, is more important than any ministry that we do. Jesus said in another context, do not rejoice that the demons are subject to you. Rejoice that your name is written in heaven. In the ups and downs of ministry, you'll be tempted to think that what's important is what you achieve, the role you play, the things that you do. Some of those things, like your prominence or position, are actually of little or no importance. doesn't matter. A hundred years from now, no one's going to remember any of us in this room. Some of those things are of eternal significance. When you tell people the gospel and they believe, or you faithfully encourage God's people in it and they persevere, that is of eternal value. Press on in that. But in the end, even that is not really you. It is God and his mercy working through you. What is really important for you is that you have been forgiven. 
that you have eternal life. That God is your Father, whom you know through his Son. That Jesus, the Son of Man, is your Lord. And the Spirit is changing you, step by step, into his likeness. And one day, you will reign with him in glory. Real glory, not the fleeting glory of this world. So no matter what your ministry, what your position, remember every day that you are a sinner. Remember every day that Jesus died for you. Remember every day to rely on him in grateful thanks. And every day as you serve him as your risen king, do it because of his love for you. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Amen.